Welcome to The Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. In this second part of my conversation with geologist Alicia, we talk about our dreams. We discuss how in a dream, our mental physics engine effortlessly renders a world according to natural laws, and how I've noticed that my mind uncontrollably projects new images that are similar to examples I see, like a GAN or a generative adversarial network. I share my journey with lucid dreaming and why I think that the moment I realize I'm dreaming, I try to kill myself by jumping off a building. Okay, so dreams. Dreams. You said that this uh, medication that you're taking is making you have vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. So in your normal life, do you not dream at all? I still would say that I have a tendency. I dream quite frequently. And the reason why I say that, like, and have the observation of it being frequent compared to other people is, like, I remember talking to my roommate freshman year of college and I would like wake up and just tell her when I had a dream and just say what it was about just to have conversation because like you live in the same room as somebody so you like wake up and they're there 24 7 which I don't know if you've ever had to share rooms with people for like yeah yeah, it's kind of like weird thinking about it I shared a room with two people when I was in undergrad wow for how long five years Wow. See, now I'm not giving her the rice cake. She's like, oh, I've got to go do something else. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd, like, wake up, and I'd tell her my dreams, and then she'd be like, geez, I, like, never really remember my dreams. So I was like, oh, I guess, like, not everybody is having dreams most nights. But, yeah, so I'd have them, um, you know, probably not most nights, but maybe, like, 30% of the time. And remember at least that I had a dream and vaguely what it was about. But now when I have them, I feel like I remember more details and I have multiple in a night, but I'm not necessarily even getting a bad night of sleep. Still sleeping pretty deep, but like remembering the dreams. Because I feel like certain nights when I'm having dreams, it's not, or having multiple, it's like you wake up, you go back to sleep, you don't sleep that well. But I think I've been sleeping pretty well for remembering this many, so that's why I think it has to do with the medication, too. Like, I didn't normally have this many dreams. Do you think you're having more vivid dreams or having the same level of vividness as before but just remembering better? It could be that because if you don't remember your dreams, you don't know what they're about, so you don't even know or that they even happen. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? But at yeah. least I'm observing more dreams. Yeah. So what are what are what are the contents of the dreams? You said it's often like your day to day activities is replayed. Yeah. It is my day to day activities or things yeah, it like relates to that, but there's also not all of the dreams do relate to that. So like for instance, the other night I had a dream 
where I had to, I was going to give a presentation and I mentioned this, but I was going to give a presentation the next day for work. And like the day leading up to it, it wasn't like a big presentation where I wasn't presenting to that many people, but it was kind of like a crucial group of people with like a crucial set of information. I was like, okay, I needed to communicate with them. And it's kind of a big deal, even though it wasn't a widely spread presentation. So I was like, but I realized very late because I didn't have to prep that hard for it. I was like, I realized late though, that I was like, wait, this actually kind of is important. So I started getting nervous about it the night before. So I think that's why I had the two dreams, but I had, or two parts, I think of the same dream were me having to give this presentation. And I can't remember why it didn't work out the first time, but it was like something happened that caused me to have to give it again. And so I think it went okay. I can't really remember that part, but I had another dream that night, which I can't remember now what it was. I'm kind of like, kind of wish I wrote some of them down since I do remember them when I wake up. But, yeah, I don't remember what it was now, but it wasn't, it was more of, like, a situation just totally unrelated to anything. Just a random dream, random things happen, not in my day-to-day. So I want to tell you about something crazy. Um, For a long time, I tried to have lucid dreams. Mm. Ever since I learned about them in the newspaper. I was growing up, I was a kid in India, and I read the newspaper. There was no internet. And it had a little article about lucid dreams. And so I was like, wow, that's what it's like. And then I went on the internet. This was like the 1990s internet. Anyway, I looked up information about what lucid dreaming is. I found a website that described it. It gave you tips on how to practice stuff so that you... Mm -hmm get better at the chances of having a lucid dream. And it was things like keep a dream journal. I kept a dream journal. So you wake up in the morning and you've just had a dream. You try your best to remember the dream and you write it down. Multiple times during the day, you ask yourself, is this a dream? Tips like that, okay? So I uh, practiced it and I was like, I really want to have a lucid dream. You know what a lucid dream is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like where you can... You have some aspect of controlling. Yeah. where My understanding is that lucid dreams that I've had are ones where I know I'm dreaming, but that hasn't broken the dream. I'm still in the dream. And since I know that I'm in a dream, I can just like do stuff. I have some free will. Yeah. It's almost like the reason, because I'm thinking about like, why would you even want to lucid dream? But it's almost like your mind has created this one instance and it's like you're probably not going to be able to recreate it or experience it outside the dream so if you want to do something in it yeah you have to almost take control of the dream because it's also a fascinating thing it's where you know who you are you are the dreamer and the entire world is your dream so you can make the entire world do things we don't get to have that experience in our real life yeah, and imagine, that's interesting because yeah. when I was thinking about it, I was only thinking that you were going to control what you were doing in the world. But you're right. It's like I think you it can varies. Control. I think it varies. That's a good question. I feel like I can definitely control what I'm doing. But 
maybe it's also possible to control what happens in the world. And these are intertwined. For example... It's like Inception, literally. Because yeah. it's like they're trying to construct the world around them as yeah. well, but also... Yeah. But so one example is oftentimes when I realize that I'm dreaming, even when I don't realize that I'm dreaming, a lot of my dream experiences are that of flying. So I fly even in non-lucid dreams. And then when it, I'm in a lucid dream, oftentimes I'm like, I'm in a dream. I'm going to float. Uh, that's so like I, what you decide to do. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to float. And I float out and whatever. And so if you're floating, that forces your world to have to change. Because you're floating away from a room into the city. You're going into the sky. Right. So your landscape is changing. Yeah. Yeah. The scenery and like. Yeah. Look at her. She's hounding for the rice cakes. Yeah, but that's just one example. Maybe you can change more things about your dream world. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just cool. That is cool. Like, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it long enough to, like, think about some of those. Yeah. Just, like, the actual aspects of what happens. Yeah. If you were to do it. Yeah, because I've never even tried. I was like. Yeah. It seems like quite a lot of work. Yeah, it can be a bit of work, and it's not very conscious work. You just do these exercises, and then, but you have no guarantee if it's going to work or not. So it's yeah. kind of like the exercises are like general things. There's not yeah. like a skill that it's like, oh, first I have to like. Think. Yeah, it's not very exact, but there are some. Uh, there's some understanding of why those things help. Um, for example, if you get used to asking, "Is this a dream?" then at some point you're going to do that in your dream as well. I see. I was going to ask you earlier. I was like, wait, why is that an exercise? Because yeah. you like said it at the end. So, so you're basically training your mind to question its reality every once in a while and to ask, is this a dream? So if it becomes more of a habit... I wonder if that's like the most important part versus like... Because I'm like, right now, if I'm actually having pretty vivid dreams that I am remembering, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a pretty good environment that you're set up in to at least have yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the chance to have one. Do you think you're dreaming right now? No. Okay. But do you think that you might be tempted to be exactly as sure in a dream? I'd say, like, so in the dream when they ask you, then if you break into the lucid dreaming, it's when you answer yes, basically. Yeah. Yes, I'm in a dream. So in a dream, you would answer no if somebody asks you. And then you would not be able to lucid dream. I see. Yeah, I think... So do you recognize that this is a dream? Now? Yeah. No, it's not a dream. <laughs> I'm just trying to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of exactly, like, you know, what would happen or, like, what has to happen for that question to come up. But, mm. yeah, I could see how it's, like, but then again, you're also having to get somebody to ask you if this is a dream in your dream, too. Yeah, not all the time. But what happened is you Or you're dream- asking yourself. Yeah, you're asking yourself. But uh, you have been trying to lucid dream for a while. 
and you have not successfully asked yourself. So you've been trying to get your subconscious to ask you if you're dreaming or not. And that's who I am. I am your subconscious asking you, is this a dream? Do you recognize that it's a dream? If you truly recognize that it's a dream, you're going to have your first lucid dream. Okay, I recognize this is a dream. You don't actually believe it. No. <laughs> I'm still fucking with you. Yeah. But, you know, I now have all the capabilities. Well, I guess I can't change the environment around me. No. So what happened was, um, to cut out all the crap that I've been talking is I started trying to do these exercises, and one day in the morning... I had a dream and I woke up and I don't think it was a lucid dream. It was just a regular dream, but I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the thing where I write this down in my dream journal. And in India, you sleep on the bed and there's a mosquito net on the bed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like this rectangular thing that hangs from above and you're basically like in a cage in your bed. We the used floor to is have the bed. those, yeah. but they're like... You know, like little princess-like looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine I'm was like, not princess-like. Kind of like looking. mosquito nets, though. Yeah. So I put my dream journal and a pen next to my pillow inside the mosquito net um, when I went to sleep, and so I got up in the morning and I had this dream and I started writing it down and I wrote it down and I think then I went to bed again and then I woke up. And I realized that I had never put a dream journal next to my pillow. So I wake up and I'm in my mosquito net. There's no dream journal. And I realized that I had not, I had not done that yet. I had only read in the magazine that this is what you should do. Okay, so you but were I dreaming actually, about So I had been dreaming right. about it. And I was like, wow. I think that was kind of a lucid dream. And that was the first one. Ever since then, I've had many lucid dreams. Once in which I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a dream. I'm going to fly. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Do you think that you could ever get to a point where it's like you could sleep a night or like or like have a dream and not ask yourself that? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens. Most of my dreams are still just regular dreams. Lucid dreams are still a little bit of a cause for celebration for me. I was like, oh, I don't know. That's so, dream, like, you know? interesting because I wonder, like, what state actually your mind is in at that point to, like, create that scenario of you asking or if it's just, like... Yeah. Maybe it's just remembering. Maybe it's... That's what's, what I think is interesting about how the brain works is, like, there has to be... Because I was, like, thinking about it in terms of how you would code it up. Like, how would you describe the process or, like, mm. replicate the process? And I was like, there has to be some aspect of just totally random thoughts having the possibility of connecting at any time. Totally unrelated. It's like... Because normally in, like, a search algorithm, you're looking for things that are directly related. But you need some aspect. The way the, the mind mm. works is, like, a totally random thing could connect with something from the other side, but then it's like part of creativity almost. It's like how you get a new idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so now let me tell you something crazy. Is that in a lot of my more recent lucid dreams, 
the moment that I have realized that I'm dreaming, I try to kill myself. Not really to kill myself. I know that it's a dream, so I cannot die. So I try to do something crazy like jump off of the edge of a building because I know that it's a dream. Uh, I'm not going to die, but it's, I feel like it's a way for me to, to get throw, out of the dream. Not to get out of the dream. Um, to, to go in the fastest way possible to what I think is the greatest fear that I have which is the fear of death. And since I'm like actually really afraid of death, I don't want to kill myself. But I also have this fascination with trying to get over my fear of death. But I don't want to actually kill myself. Right. So you just don't I, want to be afraid of it. Yeah. So when I'm in a dream and I realize I'm dreaming, I realize that if I try to kill myself by jumping off of the edge of the building, I will still be dealing with my fear of death. But I will not be dealing with actual death because I know that I'm dreaming. So it's like a, it's like a, it's like a sandbox for me to try and put myself through the fear of death to see what happens. So I have to work off my courage and I jump from the edge of the building. And the last time that I did that, what happened next in the dream was I was just falling through space. Um, and I saw this like levels coming up. It was like stories. I was falling through the stories of a building, but not, it was like as if I was transparent to it. I was mm -hmm. just transparently falling through a building with all these like neon green colored levels and everything coming up. So, and I was falling through that. Like I just kept on falling through it. Whereas if I had actually jumped off of the edge of the building, I would just hit the ground uh -huh. in like a half second. But that's not what happened. I just kept falling. All right. So this is the dream. Um, but the weird part, slightly concerning part, is that a couple months ago, I took a heroic dose of shrooms. And I stepped out of the room of our co-op on our floor. Um, and I went to the edge of like, there's just this, uh, walkway. The inside of our building is hollow. It's a square hollow. Mm -hmm. And so you can walk around the inside square. And I was like two floors above the ground. And I'm just like walking around the edge of this inside square. And I think, and then time I'm like tripping really hard. Yeah. And I'm like, Neil. Death is not real. <laughs> Death is not real. Everyone has this collective um, population level fear. And death is this symbolization or the encapsulation of the sum of all their fears. But that's all it is. Um, this, you know, you can just go through that fear. Um, so I was like pretty close to actually deciding to jump yeah, and I would not have died. It was two stories, but I would have, like, seriously maimed myself. Well, yeah, it's just, like, interesting because the thing that you're making yourself question in order to have the lucid dream is, like, am I dreaming? Yeah. But the thing that you started to question were the things that you were actually doing inside the lucid dream. Like, that's what you started questioning 
in reality almost or getting confused yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, in both of the cases, I was in an altered state of mind where right. things were kind of distorted. The world, the perception of the world was distorted to me. The perception of who I am, what my life is, is distorted in a dream and in a psychedelic state. So, because I don't think I would do that when I'm sober. Right. I don't think when I'm sober, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to think that this is a dream. I'm also not going to think death is not real. Actually, in reality, I don't think death is real. That part is true. But when I'm sober and when I'm not dreaming, I don't try to kill myself. Right. Yeah. But I think it definitely, this desire to actually try and go through the experience of death is probably, a, there, the, there is a contribution to that from the fact that I like actually really don't think death is real mm -hmm. in the sense that a lot of people believe. So if I did not have that belief, maybe I would not be having these lucid dreams or yeah. have these tendencies when I'm high. That makes sense. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's like, it's almost like an interest in have or in, like, knowing what happens when you die. But it's like, at the end of the day, even if you have that interest, you know you're going to at some point. So you will get the answer <laughs> to your question. So <laughs> I think true. there's some comfort that comes to that. It's like, I can be so curious about it. But there's no reason to try and do that because I know at some point it will happen anyway. Yeah. And I will I will know. But there's a lot of, yeah, it's like an interest. I mean, that's one of the million dollar questions. Mm -hmm. I remember that <clears throat> when I first watched The Matrix about like Neo waking I've up never from seen his that. dream life. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. We got to watch that together. We should watch You've it. You've never seen The Matrix. Come on. I know. Abby. When I was literally at uh, trivia on Wednesday, and you like, be in multiple right now, <laughs> multiple questions were about the Matrix. So, okay, yeah. let me ask you the trivia questions about the Matrix. So the first one was, did and I forget the character's name, but did he take the blue pill or the red pill? Neo. Yes, Neo. That's a very interesting they might have asked like in the first movie question i think he took the red pill he took the red pill yeah i remember final answer final answer that was correct yep as far as trivia wow okay. so you remembered the questions and answers of this movie even though you have not watched that movie yeah because it was just on wednesday that's impressive I remember. that's impressive yeah that one was an easy one because i guessed red i mean it was a 50 50 mm. The next one, nobody got right. It was, mm -hmm. what was the actual name of, it might have been Neo's character. Mr. Thomas A. Anderson. That's probably, I think that's what it was. <laughs> See, and I, I don't really remember this one because I didn't have an answer for it. Yeah. But I think that's right, and we nobody at my table knew it. But I hadn't seen the movie. Yeah. I'm like... I got her to eat a little bit of chicken by like, picking it up and like putting it in her mouth. And she was like, okay, I'm going to eat this. Good. She's finally. Because I started knocking on the side of the bowl. So she just came. Just to kind of get her to come up. And so she came up and I was then feeling bad 
Because I had called her up there, yeah. so I gave her, like, a piece of chicken. Good. <laughs> That's honestly good because I, you know, if you call her up yeah. and don't give her anything, eventually she stops coming up. <laughs> exactly. So you have worked hard to set this Pavlovian conditioning, and I'm not going to undo it. <laughs> it happened by accident. I had just done it a couple of times, and then they would come every time. And then I realized, like, I can't ruin this because... Yeah. So a lot of things that I think owning a rat has taught me about parenting. <laughs> lessons that I'm like, oh, this might be useful one day. Yeah. Well, I'm worried that if you have a kid, you're going to raise it like <laughs> a rat. <laughs> Just Pavlovian conditions. Like you're going to like knock on his breakfast bowl. <laughs> no no verbal communication I like to think it's more of the win-win situation I offer wins to my kids yeah. and there's something positive that comes in return yeah. but the part that's also going like to be definitely true is like at some point one of those babies is definitely going to bite your nipple <laughs> <laughs> so that part is the same as <laughs> like, oh yeah I was prepared for that I had a rat oh my god <laughs> yeah that's funny Okay, so so when The Matrix came out, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with that movie. I think something in me really resonated with this idea of waking up from life. And I feel like this idea has been playing games with me and my mind for a long time. So I wonder, especially now with these lucid dreams where I jump off of a building or when I'm on psychedelics, I'm like, death is not real, let's do this. I wonder if there's something kind of subconscious in me that is trying to wake up. Because mm. <sighs> I feel like this theme keeps coming back again and again in my life. Like trying to wake up. That's interesting because if there's like that version of you, however, wherever that level beyond sits, yeah, it's like... You're you're wondering if that's you laying in bed trying to wake up. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. I just hope, like, I don't end up, like, jumping off of a building in real life. Yes, I hope <laughs> you don't either. Yeah. And, yeah, I think... You know how to be in situations where you are in control. And now that you've seen one where it was like you weren't in control. Yeah. So what do you think dreams are? I think dreams are just a different version of thinking. But it is interesting because, well... Right now I'm trying to compare it to what my mind is doing when, like, I come up with scenarios. I run scenarios through my head. I'm, like, testing something out. So I have conscious thoughts during the day of areas that I construct, people that I cause to interact. But it never really feels like you're in it. So that seems to be a big difference. But I wonder... It's just interesting how sleep can put you in the position to be able to experience your thoughts in that different of a way. Yeah. I think 
um, dreams are like lower resolution than real life, but higher resolution than thoughts. Yeah, I would say so. Based on I mean, thoughts and imagination. Up, right. But when we are children, our thoughts, our imagination at least is higher resolution. And I think you can like close your eyes and imagine scenes maybe which are like more vivid. But as adult, as an adult, I cannot imagine things that are ever as vivid as in a dream. Yeah, um, no. Yeah. I mean, remembering the dream may not be very vivid. But when I'm in a dream, right. oftentimes there's a full graphical interface around me. Like yeah. I'm in a visual place and I see everything rendered, like shadows and all right. that stuff. No, I agree with that, like the low resolution. Because when it's like, when half the time when you're having thoughts during the day, or most of the time, your eyes are open. So mm. it's not like you're fully immersed in the vision that you're creating. You have something in front of your mind and you're just processing more. So it is something that's kind of in the back of your mind unless you're like really trying to daydream or like yeah. really focusing you close your eyes or something yeah, yeah. do you, i mean during awakening if you ask me to imagine something in my mind imagine a world or imagine some kind of a dream in my mind something like that uh, it would be hard for me i feel like my visual imagination would be constantly disrupted mm-hmm in the order of like fractions of a second yeah it's constantly disrupted and it's quite hard to get a visual picture together and have it try to have it be stable through all this constant disruptions and it takes a lot of effort and it would give up after some time but in a dream it's effortless like there's a visual world that's assembled around me and i don't have to imagine it into being right. it just feels like i'm in it just as i'm in it now yeah and that's a big difference <laughs> it is a huge difference and i'm trying to like i'm thinking on what gives you the ability to do that and it's like kind of what you're describing is your brain well, when you're awake your brain has so many more functions to operate or so many more tasks to do like you put yourself to sleep your mind isn't even thinking on like body movements you're in like this hibernation state so your mind has all of its energy and of course it's kind of resting in a way but whatever's going on in your mind that's like the only thing for it to concentrate on that time other than very low level body functions when you're sleeping mm -hmm. yeah okay so it like gives you the ability to have the energy to put the full thing together and mm -hmm. make it feel effortless because your brain has enough energy in that moment when you're sleeping to do it. Yeah. Oh, this reminds me of an experience where, so, you know, if I try to close my mind, close my eyes and imagine a visual scene, when a visual scene is rendered in our world to our eyes, it obeys certain natural laws, some geometrical properties, perspective, color, you know, you can't just imagine any any picture and have it be representative of something that you would see in the real world and there are certain rules there's some structure to our our visual world so when i'm imagining i feel like i might get those things wrong and i have to think about okay so if i'm imagining a street with a car at the end of the street and a house nearer to me mm. what should the scales look like etc things like that i have to plan this picture out in my head in a dream, I have noticed 
the geometrical properties of how things should be are immediate. I like it's as if I see a city in front of me with all of perspective, light, color, shadow, all of the correct optical properties that it should be effortlessly displayed. It's as if my mind has actually really truly internalized these laws of the world and it effortlessly replicates. Like it's like a physics simulation engine. You know how like computer games have these physics engines which have these rules baked into them Mm -hmm. that here's a scene, these are the characters, these are their positions and locations and now render this scene. And it uses physics to render this scene like, oh, um, the light is going to bounce off of these things this many times and then it reaches the camera and this is what mm-hmm. that pixel should look like. If it is foggy, we are going to put some of that in the atmosphere. I'm going to work out the physics of what the resulting picture should look yeah. like. I feel like the mind has that fucking engine. Like it can render those things in accordance with it the world. It has to like understand. Yeah, because I mean like it makes me think about like it's like image what I think a lot about in my work is like machine learning concepts. So how do you like create, you know, you look at so many images of a person's face and then you create a fake one. So you're not creating an image of any given person, but you have to know the properties of people well enough so well that you can create a new face that looks and follows the properties of a face. Yeah. But it's not any one of those faces. Exactly, yeah. So that really is when you have learned, like, it's when, because in physics, there are things that we do where it's like, okay, that I model the physical situation like this, but I make so many assumptions, so none of those assumptions in reality are correct. So at the end of the day, my prediction is going to have some error in it. Whatever Mm -hmm. I simulate is going to have error because I can't, model the real world to that precision with a set formula. But what's interesting about these machine learnings is like you set them up in such a way that from the data, they are, you give them the proper environment or the proper structure to update their predictions based on the data they're seeing. So in the end, if you have a model that is so predictive, that means that it's essentially learned the, physics mm-hmm. of the problem that it is trying to yeah, simulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think our mind like knows those rules implicitly because if in our real life, if suddenly I saw an image where some natural law was wrong about its optics, I would definitely notice, you know, that's what and sometimes yeah. that throws you out of a dream sometimes too, when you yeah. realize like how, Yeah. Sometimes I have points in a dream, and I won't call it, like, necessarily a lucid dream. Well, and this happens more, so, well, aside, we'll just leave the discussion of, or the comment of lucid dreams out, but just to describe, essentially, what happens sometimes. Dreams, when I've woken up, fallen back asleep, I'm in a lighter stage of sleep, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sleeping so deeply. And there comes to a point in the dream, and sometimes it's a continuation of the previous dream where it sets itself up again. I'm close enough to having had that dream. sets itself up, but something is tweaked. It wasn't set up in the exact same way, and I realize that I am dreaming. And Mm. then I I usually wake myself up, Mm. or I usually am like, 
But it is interesting because I'm realizing now it's like I'm still in a dream state, but I recognize that it is a dream. Yeah. But yeah. at that point, I just decide to wake up. Yeah, that seems like that's happening maybe close to waking state. Mm-hmm. That also happens to me like uh, like in the early morning when it's like close to my waking right. time anyway. Yeah. I start melting out of the dream into mm-hmm. the waking surface. And there's a phase in between where I'm not fully awake, but I'm not fully sleeping either. And I'm dreaming and it's part effortless dreaming and part imagining and mm-hmm. egging that dream on in certain right, directions trying to keep it try to keep it going yeah yeah so uh yeah the going back to your point about this machine learning things mm-hmm. that uh can take some examples and generate many more new ones that are not exactly the examples but similar in the category so somehow it learns mm-hmm. the, what it means I have had similar things happen, not in dreams, but I have noticed that if I uh, look at a certain kind of image a lot right before I go to bed or something, and then I close my eyes, I'm not dreaming, I'm still awake, but I just close my eyes. I'll start seeing, okay, I'll just be honest and tell you what it is, porn. (laughs) (laughs) I have noticed that's sometimes something like repetitive category of images that i'm seeing right before bedtime okay and it doesn't matter what the image is it does matter oh it does it matter. does matter a little it does matter um but then when i close my eyes i'll see like pornographic images come up and they're none of them are exactly what i've seen before and they're like the women are like slightly different it's like one of these machines that's creating right. new examples And the poses are a little bit different. The lighting is different. Their faces, they have fucking faces. But it looks, it looks like a real. Yes. It looks like a complete, like porn scene. It looks like something that I'm remembering from having seen before, except it's brand new. I know it's brand new, but it's in general category. Yeah. And so it depends on the data. So for example, if the data was just many different pictures or videos of like the same scene, the thing that I watched, mm-hmm. then I would get new examples of the the scene, the scene with that same woman, or maybe what. But if it was different women that yeah, then the I would images. get something yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see that when these images come up, there is not an element of effortful imagination. It just boom, it just flash. boom, boom. And when it is, I'm sorry, I scared your little rat. It's good. No, it's good for her to have exposure to like no, no. loud noises and things because she's a, she has a tendency to be a scaredy rat. And since she's so sheltered in this room, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's good to have her, you know, hear things and have to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Loud snapping noise, <laughs> and then I get pets. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do that again. Yeah, so I um, I keep getting this fully constructed, fully visually accurate, completely new image in the matter of like microseconds. And then it's gone and the next one comes in microsecond. And I'm definitely not making it up. I'm just, it just comes up in front of my eyes and I'm like, whoa, that's what that looks like? And then it goes away. And uh-huh. the next one comes like, whoa, that's what that looks like. And so how many might there be before they stop? 
or before it runs. It's like you recognize it happening. And it's like oh. it, it runs, you know, I it runs really out. I haven't counted, but maybe like five or six of those, maybe more, maybe like ten. If I can distract but it myself. It lasts for a little bit, but not too long. It's like yeah. a few seconds. Each of those images lasts for a fraction of a second. Yeah. But then this whole so process can quick. last for a couple of minutes. Yeah, that is interesting. What's and the whole time I'm feeling kind of bad because I'm like, oh, Neil, you know, when you watch porn, it basically infiltrates your imagination <laughs> and then it robs you of your imagination and blah, blah. So there's like this. So moral... you're like, well, now look at how many more, you know, you could create how many porn like yeah. lines, you know, sure, but it's still <laughs> so like confined by the examples that I picked up. Yeah. And if I hadn't just... picked up so many examples, maybe I could have imagined. It would have taken more effort, but maybe I could have imagined brand new things. But that's an aside. The main yeah, thing that I want to say is that I have some sense of wonder and fascination to this generative um, yeah. thing that happens where I'm like, wow, my mind is capable of just fucking taking that data, taking it its back down underground beyond my conscious because that didn't happen consciously. I just watched this point yeah. and now I'm closing my eyes and I'm seeing brand new images come up from my subconscious. So there's this whole part of my brain that took this data when I wasn't even paying attention to it. Right. It took it downstairs and did some stitching around with it to figure out, oh, this right. is what the set of images is. This is how we interpolate between them. And this is how we can create brand new images from this same class. And then it's just showing them to me. And this whole process was unconscious. So there's something really cool about that. There is yeah. something really cool about that. Yeah. One, it just, it shows, like, real sophistication. Yeah. Because that's, that is literally, like, what, like, have you read or looked into or used generative adversarial networks? Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that these kinds of networks are generative adversar adversarial That's, like, networks. exactly, like, kind of the process that you describe, but that's, like, what, what we're trying to replicate. But that's also, like, how... It makes you think about how much any prediction task, like, you know, that we're trying to perform the best way to do it at the end of the day, because we're trying to replicate the way that we do it. And so mm -hmm. you have to think about how your mind thinks. So that's why I think it's really that, that, uh, area of machine learning. It's just so fascinating because we're trying to model these things after how our brains would actually process a task because they are such predictive powerful engines and there's mm -hmm. so much value mm -hmm. in doing something like the process that you just described that it's like we try and replicate that with computers too but one thing that they can do and that i was looking into but basically a general way that these things work is that you give it a set of images and then there's one side of the network that's called the generator so it generates you know, it learns something of these images, but it starts to try and generate fake images and it sends it to the discriminator and the discriminator is trained on real images. So it's looking at the fake ones you send it and it's saying, no, nah, I can tell that's fake. So it sends it back to the generator. The generator updates the weights that it's applying to, you know, edges of an image. Oh, I put an edge here and how much should I shade the edge and things like that. So features of images. So they're updating these weights to create the images. And ultimately, they update them so far that 
the discriminator can't tell, or it says, yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's real. So that's how they create them. And so then what people are doing is going and looking back at the weights. So you can isolate, like, okay, maybe this weight, you you change it a little bit, you change the values that you put into it, and then you can see in your image that, oh, the, the color of their hair is changing. So mm. then you isolate that as the color of hair weight. Mm-hmm. And so then they can do a linear interpolation and have the same image of the same person with the same facial features, but as they go along, the color of the hair changes. Mm-hmm. It starts putting on somebody's, or you do this, and it puts on somebody's glasses. <laughs> so it's, like, really yeah. interesting how those things work, and that's kind of the way that people are trying to use them. These have got to be, like, pretty deep networks, right? Yeah. Because they have to pick up on a lot of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to train them for like a long time too. Because I mean, you think about it, it's like the more weights you can have, the more things it can identify. I mean, like, then you're like, oh, well, you know, the more storage that you give it, the better they can be. Mm-hmm. You still want to go dancing? Yeah. Thanks for joining us today in the Room of Lives. In the next episode, I attack Alicia, who works for the oil and gas giant Chevron, about how she and her soulless oil people are out to murder the planet. Alicia fights back. Mm-hmm.